0: Physical assessments for CVICU CVICU nurses. All right, that's my name. My website, CherylPalma.com. Uh, in this class, you'll learn how to assess your patient's concerns, symptoms, and overall health. You will learn how to develop a plan to deliver the best patient care. Uh, the nursing process. You're familiar with this. Um go back one slide, sorry. So you're familiar with this process uh, called. Uh, this is annoying to me. The five five step um, nursing process: assessment, nursing diagnosis, planning, implementation, and evaluation. Now we're going to focus on assessment today. What is assessment? The assessment is a systematic dynamic way to collect, organize, analyze, validate, and document data about, patient, about a patient. It is the first step in delivering nursing care. Assessment includes physiological data, psychological data, sci- soci- sociocultural, I can't even talk, <laughs> sociocultural data, spiritual, economic, and lifestyle factors. Assessments are made initially and continuously throughout patient care. So you're basically continuously assessing, even when you're talking with your patient about something non-related to health, you are assessing them. Um, What is the nursing diagnosis? Well, the nursing diagnosis, for those of you who are familiar with care planning, that's a part of the care planning. It is the nurse's clinical judgment about the patient's response to an actual or potential health condition or need to include causative factors and complications. And based on the assessment and diagnosis, the nurse sets a measurable and achievable short and long-term goal. This information is shared with other members of the healthcare team in the form of a care plan. So let me give you an example of a Nursing diagnosis, specifically seen in, well, it's not specifically seen, it can be seen anywhere, but this is frequently seen in the CV ICU. Ineffective tissue perfusion, that's the diagnosis. Um, Factors that can affect ineffective tissue perfusion are altered affinity of the hemoglobin for oxygen. You can see that sometimes in um, sickle cell Uh, Decreased hemoglobin concentration in the blood, anemia, poisoning, gas exchange problems, hypovolemia, hypoventilation, impaired transport of oxygen across the alveolar and or capillary membrane. Interruption of the arterial flow interruption of venous flow, mechanical reduction of arterial or venous blood flow, and a mismatch of ventilation with blood flow. That example would be like a PE or pulmonary embolism. So tissue perfusion is a nursing diagnosis, ineffective tissue perfusion. What is implementation? Um, care is implemented according to the care plan for continuity of care during hospitalization and preparation for discharge. They tell you when you first meet your patient or they first come into the hospital or wherever they're admitted to. Wherever they're admitted to is when you start to plan for discharge because you don't want the patient to be there forever and ever. You want them to Improve and actually leave. What is evaluation? Both the patient status and the effectiveness of the nursing care must be continuously evaluated and the care plan modified as needed. In the CVICU, this is documented on the flow sheet, the progress notes, the care plan. Be sure to document in the care plan or document in the plan of care every shift. Some hospitals uh, made it that, so easy for you to do that via electronic tools. So your EHR or electronic healthcare records, a lot of times has a care planning component to it, where multiple disciplinaries actually um, input information, you know, downloads there, and everybody can get to see what the plan of care is. before you assess your patient. So, um, you know, your patient is gonna be coming. Um, That's like the, called the pre-arrival assessment. So your pre-arrival assessment should, is an abbreviated report about your patient. You might find out their age, their agenda, their chief complaint, their diagnosis, any pertinent history. Um, invasive devices, equipment, and labs, diagnostic tests that have been done, you want to know about their allergies if possible, um, you want to uh, know what their code status is, um, their isolation status, um, and then you want to um, set up their room, and verify that your equipment in that room is working. So um, in preparation of the room, you may not have that much time to get prepared because sometimes, depending on where you're getting your patient from, that admission may come in 10 minutes, they may come in one hour, they may come in six hours, depending on, on and the condition of that patient and where they're coming from. So, you would need to share information with your colleagues, your friends on the unit and tell them, listen, I made an admission um, and give them a little background. Uh, this is what I need in a room. You might have your patient care technicians. They can help you set up the room. Um, and don't be afraid of asking for help, even if you think it's a minor task, because when that patient gets there, your priority is to be in that room with that patient, assessing them and implementing whatever needs to be implemented um, for their care, at least for the first couple of hours. Room setup. Items that you need for your patient's room and assessment may vary according to their clinical condition. So you might have somebody who has had like um, cabbage, coronary artery bypass graft. Um, That's a a huge, huge thing. And you may need like more suction equipment, for example, versus somebody who um, got a FEMPOP bypass done. You may not need any suction. They may have like JP drains or something like that um, if they need drains. But for chest surgery, a lot of times you have drains. actually 100% of the time you have drains. Um, just so you avoid um, any complications such as tamponade, So you have to be, become a little familiar with what your patient needs are based on what their diagnosis is. And their room setup will, should be matching what their needs are. All right. Oops, I skipped around too much. For CVICU rooms, you want to... Um, I went two slides, too forward. You want to have suction catheters. Remember your ABCs, airway, breathing, circulation, all of that, right? So you want to have your suction catheters, your Yang suction gauges. Um, If you're getting a fresh post-operative patient, you want to get um, several gauges at least three or four. Um, And because some of those tubes, you have chest tubes, you're gonna have a a ventilator uh, and you're gonna have to do uh, oral suctioning um, and ET tube suctioning. So you're gonna need a canister for that. A lot of times you're gonna have an NG tube and you're gonna have to decompress the stomach. uh, So you have to have that. And then you have your your drains that uh, all the time have to be on um, suction. So many suction gauges, you wanna make sure you have your bag valve mask device, which is the AMBU bag, end tidal CO2, pulse oximeter, oxygen flow meter, oxygen tubing with the appropriate delivery device. Now, if you have somebody who's intubated, you might not need like a nasal cannula yet, but you still need to have that equipment in there um, because some people are on like a fast track to extubation and you um, will need that quicker like within, oops, within um, 12 hours, you know, once you extubate your patient. Uh, blood pressure cuff. So you can correlate your blood pressures with your invasive line, your A-line in particular. Um, ECG electrodes and cables. Uh, your Doppler, your invasive pressure monitor cables, um, of course your monitor at the bedside, <laughs> IV infusion pumps, thermometer, IV poles, general hygiene supplies, um, a bedside computer, or if you don't have that you need to have some paper to document that you use to document your emission assessment. Other supplies such as flushes, gloves, syringes, gauze, tape, Infusion pump tubing, blood specimen tubes, etc. cetera. Um, those actually should be a part of the, the, the kit inside of your um, ICU room. So IV fluids such as normal saline you wanna have on hand because a lot of times your fresh hearts, they do need to be fluid resuscitated um, and you can't run back and forth looking for that. Sometimes you need to give it right right away. Um and you need to give multiple, you know, amounts of volume. So LR is also a common thing, loctated ringers and normosol or plasmasol, plasma light, sorry. Um you wanna have a watch or somewhere where you can um time things like when your patient arrives when events happen you'll be able to time it and write it down um i don't particularly care for a watch i really when i go to work i don't wear anything i have this bracelet on all the time but i don't wear anything on my wrist because it irritates my wrist and then i'm washing constantly and you know you have this mark like a maceration Afterwards, and I don't like that look. That ain't cute to me. So I use the uh, bedside monitor, which actually has a very accurate time on it. Usually, like when the time jumps forward or goes backward, it doesn't. Uh, it changes automatically, so you're, you know, very accurate with your time. With uh, if you want to watch, sure, use a watch. That's fine, but just make sure you have some kind of timepiece or Access to a time. A lot of times, it's on your on your computer. You can see it there. Sometimes it's a clock in the room. Just have to make sure it's the right time. Scale. You want to make sure you have a weight for your patient because your patient um, medications a lot of times are based on a weight based. So they're prescribed based on the patient's weight. And um, Milronone is an example of that drug. That's a weight based IV drug. Um, debutamine is one, two, and you want to make sure you know the weight. So if you're getting a patient in the bed, they're coming from like a floor or something like that, you want to make sure your scale is zeroed before you put the patient in there so you can weigh the patient intervals. Make sure you have a tape measure, you, do, you need tape measures if there's like, um, Something you need to trend as far as expansion like a leg or abdomen. Um, If you don't know the patient's height, a lot of times you get the height because if they're coming from the OR, they have to have the height and the weight in order to do their surgery in the first place unless it was so emergent they couldn't get that. Um, Pen light or flashlight, stethoscope, I said Doppler already, Warm and blanket. A lot of times patients come out of the operating room cold 34 degrees 35 degrees and you're gonna need to warm them up when they um are done with the surgery a bedside table uh a nasogastric tube if they don't have one in um you may have to put that in they don't have a foley catheter in you may have to put that in it depends on them if they're in uric they may not have a need for one so it all depends on what your patient's condition is sequential compression devices or stockings Those are very important because when you're laying in bed, laying in the OR for hours and hours, laying still and your blood is sluggish, um, you are at high risk for clots. And so those help decrease the chance of um, DVTs or the clots in lower extremities. So always keep them on. I I know colleagues and I have um, experienced patients, who have just suddenly coated? You get them up out of the bed, put them in the chair. Eyes roll back in the uh, in in their head. And when you when they do the autopsy, they found that they had like a large DBT. I've seen that happen to one woman, um, and she was fine. She's chatty and talking and all that. So keep your SCDs on unless it's contraindicated with you know any kind of lower extremity. Surgery, it may be contraindicated. Um, Anti skid stocks, arterial line setup, you want to have um, your specialized line cards um, available or know where they are, or you know somebody can get it for you if you need it. Um, code card, you make sure you know where that is, your defibrillator, your intubation kit, if the patient needs to be intubated if you're not already or even at, during their course of the ICU stay, they, they may get extubated, but then require to be re-intubated for a numerous of reasons, increased work of breathing, um, just fluid overload, um, different things. But um, softness restraints; those are, are really highly recommended because you wanna make sure that your ventilated patient doesn't wake up and pull the ET tube out when your back is turned and you're trying to reach something and they pull it out. Um, So that's the reason for the restraints. Uh, Pacemaker box with leads, you always wanna have a pacemaker there. Uh, A lot of the patients, all of them who have cardiac surgery, typically come out with two or more epicardial wires, two or more sets. So they may have atrial, two atrial, two ventricular. They may have ground wires. I've seen people have three ventricular wires, three A wires, you know, it it depends on the patient's condition. But most commonly, most people come out with two atrial epicardial and two ventricular epicardial wires. You wanna always have that pacemaker box available to you because um, when you do surgery on the heart, you're cutting on electrical pathways as well which you can't really see. You have an idea of where the SA node is and the A B node and such, but you don't know the other electrical pathways of the heart. It's not so pretty like it looks in the books, you know, it's all tissue. So, um, you have to have uh, that pacer there because a lot of times they may need that. Okay. Types of assessments, so you have comprehensive assessments. That's a baseline assessment to which future changes can be compared, similar to an admission assessment. You have a quick check assessment used to prioritize presenting problems upon arrival to the ICU. So um, for the quick check assessment, you want to look at the person's general appearance, consciousness, you want to look at their airways, they patent, position of the artificial airway, if they have one. You want to look at their breathing, the quality and the quantity of respiration. So the rate, the depth, the pattern, symmetry, the effort, and any use of accessory muscles. All that is important information for you to have. Uh, you want to listen to their breath sounds, anteriorly and posteriorly and presence of spontaneous breathing. You wanna check their circulation and cerebral perfusion. Uh, Do an EKG or ECG. Um, Looking at the cardiac rate, rhythm, and presence of any ectopy, you wanna check their blood pressure, uh, peripheral pulses, a capillary refill, skin color, temperature, moisture, presence of bleeding, um, level of consciousness, responsiveness if they're able to tell you you want to say you know you want to know about their chief complaint what got them here what primary body system is involved and any other associated systems um you want to know about the drugs that they've been taking um, or given prior to you getting there uh, diagnostic tests that were done You want to know of any over-the-counter drugs, any illicit drug history, and prescribed medications as well, and their current medications. Um, You want to review their diagnostic um, test results, their lab results, and their chest x-rays and things like that. You want to see what those are. Patency of vascular and drainage systems. You want to make sure you know especially on fresh hearts they tend to bleed especially the valve patients they tend to bleed a lot more um so you have to keep a really close eye on there so when they come out they have to be on suction and you have to milk those tubes to make sure there's no clot because when there's a blockage in the tubing it can cause a tamponade you know which could require the patient to go back to the OR they can code on you or they may require going back to the OR to evacuate that um tamponade um you want to make sure your drains are functioning just like i said um and labeling of your uh drains make sure they're labeled before you hand off you uh, you completely hand off you have to go over to your patient, look at them, ask whoever's handing the patient to you, what are these drains labeled? Look and check for them because you're gonna to have to document where all this drainage is coming from. And if one's not labeled, you cannot assume what it is. Basically, you would have to call the surgeon back and say, okay, what is this? You know, So make sure you get that information. You're supposed to be labeled. The wires are supposed to be labeled, so you know. So all those things have to be checked when they, right as they get to the ICU. Um, And any other lines and drains that they have, they have to be, you know, you have to know what they are. Uh, Body system assessment, this is a head to toe approach assessment in which pain is linked to each system rather than separate. An ongoing assessment is used to determine trends and evaluate response to treatment and potential problems so an ongoing um, assessment is one that you do every hour for example every hour or when the patient's condition changes you do that assessment I mean for me (laughs) when you walk into the room you're assessing the patient You're looking at the ventilator, you're looking at the numbers, you're looking at the monitor, you're looking at the data on the monitor, you're looking around the patient, you uncover them, you're looking at the drains, you're looking at, you're constantly assessing, you know? So you have to um, get your skills to the point where you are comfortable assessing and as the more you do it, the more you get better at it. So if you're new, don't let it frustrate you. You will get good at it the more you do with it. You wouldn't have to refer back to any kind of like chart or anything like that. And then the electronic um, healthcare records and some of them are very detailed. So when you have to chart, those triggers will be there well, you know, to help you. Data collection, there are two types of ways we collect data, subjective and objective. Subjective are the verbal statements provided by the patient, statements about nausea and descriptions of pain and fatigue are examples of subjective data. Objective data are detectable by an observer or can be measured or tested against an accepted standard. They can be seen, heard, felt, smelled, and they are obtained by observation or physical exam. Okay. Data collection methods. You have three methods, observing, interviewing, and examining, examining, I can't talk. Anyways, let me take a sip of water. Maybe that's why I need to drink some water. Sorry. Make sure you take a bottle of water or a mug or something with you when, you when you work, too, because sometimes you cannot take a break until your shift is three-fourths of the way done. and You need to hydrate yourself so you don't pass out. All right. Um, so observing. To observe is to gather data by using the senses. All five of them. I don't know if you have six, but most people have five. Some people have four because they lose this sense of smell or taste with this corona stuff. So um, interviewing. An interviewing, an interview is plan, is a planned communication or conversation with a purpose. Examining. Performance of a physical exam. The physical exam is often guided by data provided by the patient. A head-to-toe approach is frequently used to provide the systematic approach. It helps to avoid omitting important data. All right. I am trying to get my side. Okay, assessment techniques, inspection. Palpation, percussion, ascultation. Uh, those are the techniques I use. Um, we all use exp- inspection. We all use palpation. We all use ascultation. Um, some people are more comfortable using percussion um, Admissions to the CVICU so. You can get admissions from the operating room, from an outside hospital, or from an or from inside the hospital. So, since the CVICU is a surgical ICU, most of your patients will come from the operating room. Patients um, that come from an outside hospital usually are transported by ambulance or flown in by a helicopter from an outside hospital. Um, from inside the hospital, patients can be transferred from another ICU unit, non-ICU unit, a specialized area like cath lab, um, and another ICU. I think I said that right. Sorry, I'm repeating myself. But my neuro status is intact. All right? might be a little tired, but... Hmm. All right, so pre-arrival assessment. A pre-arrival assessment starts when you're notified about a patient that will be arriving on your unit. This is where you'll begin getting information. I think we talked about that briefly, I was ahead of myself. Um, And your room setup will be different depending on your type of admission you get. Uh, Some ICUs have specific checklists that you can um, follow in order to help you to um, set up the room. So ask for that if you're new to that environment. All right, so this admission, quick check. This assessment is completed immediately upon arrival to the unit based on the parameters of the ABCD acronym, airway, breathing, circulation, cerebral perfusion, chief complaint, drugs, diagnostic tests, and equipment. And I think we went over that. Information you would want to know from a pre-arrival communication. I think we talked talk about this. The name, the medical history, the vital, the significant assessment information. Um, medications, labs, tubes, lines, drains, equipment. Estimated time of arrival. Always try to get your estimated time of arrival so that you are actually prepared. And any family support. Um, Patients, issues that are likely to require immediate attention upon admission. Vital signs, neurological status, ventilation, perfusion, pain, anxiety, and the medications that are infusing. Um, Those are the things that you have to like really key into when that patient arrives. Um, They drive a lot of uh, things with your other systems. You know, if your patient's not ventilating well, they're, they're not going to perfuse well their vital signs will be changed. Um, Their neurological status will be changed. They may be anxious, they may be somnolent, you know, so um, those are things they actually have significant um, impact if they're altered. Uh, information shared on handoff upon accepting a patient in ICU. Handoff is always easier using the S bar. Situation, background, assessment, recommendation. Um, detailed information is given for each system tests, allergies, weight, interventions that uh, were done, equipment settings, par- plan of care, and the p- family information. Tests that may have to be done upon admission to the ICU uh, ECG, chest x ray, complete blood count, electrolyte panel. Sometimes you have to do a comprehensive metabolic panel, too, um, looking at the liver, um, your glucose, and arterial blood gases those are the most common things you do initially. So if your uh, provider hasn't ordered them or you know tell you this is a plan, ask them. Say, do you want an ABG done? Do you want the any labs done? What do you want done? Don't wait for them to come to you if you're having a patient brand new in the a lot of times they don't have the orders in there. So you asking them will trigger them. say okay let's put this in let's get this let's get that you know and there are some APPs that will or APPs are advanced practitioners so um, like your PAs and your um, PAs and your nurse practitioners so they some of them are really good with putting in the orders really quickly but as you know in an intensive care unit you have more than one patient there and Multiple things can be happening at the same time that may pull away those providers from you. So when the patient comes, you have to really be assertive and ask for these things. Um, past medical history, surgical procedures, or um, well, this is a comprehensive assessment, by the way. You have a past medical history, surgical procedures, hospitalizations, psychiatric problems, medications, both prescription and over-the-counter or illicit drugs, Allergies, you have a social history. You have um, in your under your social history, you want to know their age, gender, self identified gender, ethnic origin, height, weight, preferred language, occupation, marital status, decision makers, religious affiliation, advanced directive, powers of attorney. Um, abuse of substance, history of domestic abuse, vulnerable adult screen and a depression screen. All those things are very, very important because they all impact care. If you know things aren't normal or the way they should be. Um, psychosocial assessment, you wanna know about the person's coping styles, um, anxiety and stress, how do they deal with that? Any current stressors? Um, family needs, communication, uh, spirituality, you want to know what your faith or spiritual preference is And healing practices. Uh, physical assessment includes the nervous system, cardiovascular system, respiratory system, GI, renal, endocrine, hematologic, immune, and integumentary. There we go again. That's a prettier slide. All right, so we're gonna just go over for the next uh, twenty minutes or so, twenty-five minutes. Actually, twenty minutes. The different um, things neurological, under the neurological system. Level of consciousness, how alert are they? Um, let, me see, let me see. Let me see. I'm getting to. All right. So, most of the uh, nervous system, especially the central nervous system, um, Um, when somebody is critically ill, they are, it affects the central ner- nervous system. Okay. The pharmacological interventions, you have them on a sedative. Of course, that's going to make them drowsy, sleepy. They're not going to follow commands. They're not going to interact with you the way they normally would. Um, you want to know about their level of consciousness. You use the Glasgow Coma Scale for that. And you can also use the um, CAM-ICU to see if they're delirious, scale. Um, you want to know their orientation um, on the ventilator. It's a little bit more difficult, but you can ask them those CAM questions. And uh, I think I'll do a blog about the CAM-ICU so that I, and explain that. Uh, let me write it down so I can do that. Um, and you want to look at their um, pupils, pupillary reaction to light, eye movement, of color, um, speech and clarity and appropriateness, sensory ability in each extremity, uh, range of motion, motor ability and strength. So from one to five, one is, you know, a contraction scene, five is normal strength, um, pain, breathing pattern or work, um, and vision or hearing, we want to talk about restraints there, any use of hypothermia or uh, warming warming or cooling of the patient. Um, if they're a neuro patient you might have a, a craniotomy um, and the device that goes along with that. It's rare in the CVICU but you can see it if the patient has like a mechanical circulatory device like ECMO. Um, Anyways, um, abnormal eye movements, use of sedatives, and the level of sedation. So that's where your RAS um, score comes in as well. You can go on my website, go to the blog, and I will have an article about the RAS and the cam there um, in the next couple of days or so. Use of paralyzing agents. Any foot support or boots, epidural or lumbar catheters. A lot of times with um, this EVARS, you might have a lumbar drain postoperatively, so you have to do frequent neurochecks. Um, Patient control analgesia device. All those things you have to assess for under the neurological system. When it comes to people being sedated, it's recommended that you have to wake that person up at least once in your shift to do a neurological exam if it's safe for them. Like I had an open chest patient the other day and if the patient is aggressive or agitated when they wake up you know you can't have them with their open chest trying to sit up and move around and be agitated and fighting. So in that case you have to lower your sedation till you get to a point where the person is not is awake but not agitated. So they won't hurt themselves. And you can always feel free to ask about that before you even do it. You know, ask your providers about it um so for the respiratory system you want to assess the depth the rate and the rhythm of breathing use of accessory muscles cyanosis central and peripheral so central is in here and peripheral the limbs um, effectiveness of a cough breath, breath sounds audible wheezes strider. Um, position of the trachea, you want to document suction intolerance and frequency of suctioning. You want to document your current um, FiO2 and SpO2, your ventilator settings, their modes and the settings, Uh, any thoracotomy dressings, pleural chest tubes, and the suction that's added to that pulse oximeter, which I think I just did, your end title. Um, you also have to, one thing I forgot to say is that when you first set up your monitor, you have to make sure your parameters are set up there so that you'll be alerted when things are outside of what you want them to be. Um, so your apnea monitor alarm, your inline suction catheter, the tracheostomy, they have a tracheostomy, the type, the brand, the size, Um, the entire, um, what does that say, I can't even think now, ET tube, the size um, of the ET tube, the secretions, the amount, the color, and the volume. So usually the endotracheal tube is measured in centimeters, and the marking could be at the teeth. Um, If they're nasally intubated, it could be in the nares. And um, it could be also at the lip. So you have to pay attention to how the initial document said they were, you know, the measurement is. Um, you want to document the P or the uh, positive and expiratory pressure. And. Uh, um, you want to say whether they have, like, a PA catheter monitoring the SVO2. We um, can cover all of that in the, in the class. Cardiovascular pulses. You want to check all your pulses, radials, femorals, posterior tibials, PT, and the DPs. can't feel them you got to doppler them if you can't doppler them you have to tell somebody that you cannot do that you and you have to communicate or maybe ask somebody else to help you find because some people are are very good at finding difficult pulses and sometimes depending on a person's condition if they have an LVAD for example you they might not be very pulsatile and you might not hear the pulses very easily so don't give up on after 30 seconds ask somebody else to check them for you with the doppler Capillary refill, um, edema, heart sounds, um, murmurs, thrills, thrills. When it comes to the AB graphs, spe- specifically, um, what am I talking about? Uh, your jugular venous distension, your ECG, your cardiac rhythm dysarrhythmias or arrhythmias, chest pain, any vascular access that you have. Um, I always know too when that vascular access was placed because um, there is a limit as to how long that certain vascular access devices can stay in place because of the risk of um, uh, infection. Mechanical circulatory supports, and if you have IABP or aortic balloon pump, uh, LVAD, a Centromag, ECMO, all of those are mechanical circulatory support. Um, Any activity intolerance, cardiac outputs, SCVO2, pressure monitoring, uh, what is the PA pressure, the A-line pressures, um, CVPs. Pacemaker settings and function. You also have to make sure your pacemaker battery is there. And it's not low so in case you need it and you have to make sure that wires are working um, in case you need to pace that person. Mediastinal tubes and dressings. Um, you want to say what they are, how much they are putting out. Intraoral, pump, we talked about that a minute ago. Um, implanted Cardio defibrillator or ICD. Some people will have ICD in place and you should know that because um, they would need to like interrogate it to see whether or not um, You can What the settings are All right, and then lower extremity compression we already talked about that GI, gastrointestinal, abdominal pain, tenderness guarding, abdominal distension, wall contour, tolerance to eating or feeding, nutritional status, tube feedings and type, character of emesis and stool, status of mucous membranes, um, presence of nausea and vomiting, and bowel sounds in the four quadrants, and you wanna go clockwise. You want to go clockwise when this is happening and um, because that's how the colon is. It goes from right side to left side. Foul sounds, I talked about that, feeding tube and sides, make sure you always know where the feeding tube is. Um, a lot of aspirations occur, you have to check to make sure it's in place, whether it's via the x-ray or you um, aspirate um, stomach contents, you have to do that. Um, the feeding, the rate, any residuals that the patient may have, um, the patency of the tube and any drainage that they may have if they're hooked to suction. We want to talk about their hyperalimentation if they have that. The line has to be a dedicated line. You can't run anything through hyperaligns. Um, that's like your TPN or total parenteral nutrition. Um, abdominal drains, what the things look like, surgical drains on the abdomen, ostomies. Okay, renal. You want to talk about the urine amount and quality, drainage status. How is that urine coming out? Are they anuric, oliguric, um, indwelling catheter? Uh, what type of catheter, the size? Um, you know, some people have um, BPH and they may require a special de catheter, for example. So you have to know what kind of catheter you have dialysis, shunts or catheters, peritoneal dialysis, intermittent dialysis, continuous renal replacement, and fluid balance. All of those come under the um, the renal system. Endocrine system, um, glucose values. You want to talk about your insulin drips, your subcutaneous insulin, glucose control. Um, I think there's something else too. that I didn't mention, yeah. Um, hematological, uh, you want to look at their white blood cell count, any infections that may be having, any antibiotic treatments, steroids, um, coagulation studies, anticoagulation therapy. Oh, I went to immune. is the blood cultures, isolation, and antibiotics. I'm sorry about that. And um, integument. You want to make sure you document on the skin color, texture, temperature, any abrasions, bruises, wounds, burns, ulcers, any, and the status of bony prominences, and what is being done if there's a risk for um, pressure ulcers, um, discomfort, itching, burning. And the patient's position, you have to make sure you document if the patient doesn't turn on their own that you're doing it. Um, Type of bed, the mattress that they're on, and how the patient tolerates turning. Protective aids, um, casts or splints. Um, Psychosocial and family, you want to talk about the emotional state, any available support that they have, coping ability with their illness. Sleep or rest deficits, you know in the ICU people can really literally go crazy because they're awake and they're interrupted every hour for you to do something. You get to go home after 12 hours but they're there 24 and the same thing occurs when you leave. So just remember that um, communication ability, patient's teaching needs, any family teaching needs, social service needs, or transfers or discharge planning. Resources to increase your web, your, um, your knowledge. Websites such as AACN.org, you should get a membership and become part of that. That has proven very valuable to me. Um, one of the books that I recommend is Fast Facts for Critical Care. You can Google that. And I think it's, on, it's linked on my website as well. And questions? No one's on but me right now, and that's okay. That will change. If you want to send me any questions, feel free to DM me or email me. Um, Do not be afraid to ask. These are important points. Don't be afraid to ask for help when something doesn't seem right. You have something called a gut feeling. And if you have a gut feeling about something, make sure you explore it with somebody else to make sure that things are okay uh, with your patient. Seek strong, supporting nurse mentors as resources. Go to your strongest, most experienced nurse. They don't know everything, but they are a little bit more experienced at that particular skill than you are. And you can learn a lot from them. Ask a lot of questions. If you have to ask 10 people the same question until you understand it, that's what you do. Don't be afraid of asking questions. Don't wing it. I had one guy that was orienting one time and he told, he, he told me OHT was open heart surgery. Open heart transplant, I mean. I said, no, that's an orthotic heart transplant. And you have to know that. You can't just wing it and make a, things in your head. These are people's lives that you're taking care of. You know, you have to be careful. If you don't know, just ask. You know, don't be afraid to ask. And you can connect with me on Facebook, um, Cheryl Palmer RN on Facebook. And Instagram is Cheryl Palmer RN as well. And my website is CherylPalmer.com. I will be doing other um, assessments. I wish I had the polling thing working, but it didn't work. So next time will do that. All right, so this is it for tonight. I hope you gained some knowledge from this. Um, I talked a lot, and if you need some help, don't feel, feel free to contact me, okay? Bye.